Welcome to The Step, a podcast for and about unstoppable women. I'm your host, comedian Ega Woden. Last season, we heard from brilliant women who stand up for what they believe in. This season, we're celebrating those women who boldly take up space and relentlessly push forward in pursuit of their dreams. Join us. This episode of The Step by Pop Sugar is presented by Sorel Footwear. When we go through something traumatic, we don't only store that trauma in our minds, we store it in our bodies too. We're still learning how to listen and communicate with our own minds and bodies. Right. We see the body as just something to push around. It's a brain taxi, just mm-hmm. a chauffeur for your brain. <laughs> and we're disconnected mm-hmm. and therefore we're silencing a huge source of wisdom mm-hmm. for making everyday decisions. That's multi-hyphenate artist Allison Stoner. As a kid, she worked on more than 200 films and TV shows as an actress and dancer, including The Step Up and Cheaper by the Dozen film franchises and Missy Elliott's music video Work It. In an op-ed, she recently wrote that her experience as a child star has been, quote, a harrowing 80 years, and she's only 27. Her journey has led her to not only advocate for child labor laws, but also personal wellness. She recently launched a new company, Movement Genius, to further push for better mental health resources that help people work through trauma physically and mentally, dance moves included. Allison, welcome to The Step. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. One one moment, one move at a time. I appreciate that honesty. Anytime I ask someone how they're doing, I want to I want to know. I'm so excited to hear about the work you're doing. Now, you have had such a remarkable journey and you've spoken publicly about being a child star and what that was like in plenty of interviews. So without getting too much into the specifics of that, can you share with us the moment it became clear you were going to use your experience to become an advocate of mental health? Mm, that's a great question. I have had plenty of essays that I've written privately and wondered when will I release this, but it still felt like it was coming from a place of catharsis where it was really personal and I wanted people to hear me because I felt silenced and something in my gut said, wait until you've healed enough that sharing doesn't cause the re-traumatization, sharing Mm -hmm. doesn't cause a reliving of a moment that ends up unraveling publicly. So I took time to really reach a space where it actually truly feels like an old chapter. It feels Mm -hmm. like a different identity. My nervous system responds to situations and environments and people differently now. Of course, that's a daily practice, but I wanted to build up those skills because going into advocacy, when your pain is being transmuted into your power, that's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. It can light your fire every single day and impassion you to make a change. And I think that is beautiful and brilliant. And you have to be aware of when it crosses over into the shadow side and it's you're projecting your own pain onto someone else's experience, maybe Mm -hmm. getting tunnel vision because it's starting to trigger sensitive areas for you instead of keeping as objective of a view as possible on the issue, whether it's systemic Mm -hmm. or interpersonal, cultural, et cetera. So I felt like I owed both myself and the public Mm -hmm. a a deep, deep cleaning, (laughs) some (laughs) open heart surgery before I was going to try to come forward. And and that's just my tactic. I I think everyone can start where they are and approach it the way that feels authentic to them. Um, But I didn't have peace until I healed. And of course, that's ongoing. (laughs) 
I like to hear that you took care of yourself first and felt healed enough to be able to step into your role as an advocate. Um, and I think that's really important to think about because I think oftentimes people say everything happens for a reason. And oftentimes that is a catalyst for people stepping into advocacy or speaking on behalf of marginalized groups, but they haven't taken that time for themselves to mm. to heal. And I think it makes the work so much harder. And so I, I really admire that you took that time and you checked in with yourself to determine like, am I in a place where I can step into this role while still taking care of myself and my person and my own spirit? So, Well, gotcha. you know, it also felt like I'm accountable to mm. what I create and usher into the world, right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm creating and by creating, I don't mean just artwork, but literally the decisions that I make on a daily basis, mm. how I relate to people around me. If I'm designing a life from my current frame of reference and that frame of reference is loaded with biases and pain and whatnot, then what I create will be a reflection of that consciousness. Mm -hmm. So I felt very responsible to heal. Um, And I also knew that I just couldn't put one foot in front of the other anymore. So I I had to, you know, I reached that point. And thankfully, many people don't have to reach a breaking point. But for me, it was that way. Right, right. I mean, the idea that you had reached that point, the circumstances are not ideal, but the idea that it brought you to the place where you were able to slow down and reflect and assess and say, okay, something has to change and I need to approach things differently. And I am responsible for what I produce and put in the world and for my, yeah, my contribution to society. You mentioned foot was on the gas for so long. A lot of times in our culture and our society is applauded, like hustling and being on the go and, and staying productive and getting things done against all odds by any means necessary. But in terms of the go, go, go culture we see in this industry, specifically in entertainment, what would you want to see change in regards to that? And not only just for children, but just in general. I I believe at the core of it, it requires elevating the entire public consciousness, the entire conversation around us understanding our minds and our bodies and understanding what it means as an artist in entertainment to be a human and a product to be in training as well as a boss in some moments to be employed and then unemployed in this like <laughs> perpetual cycle. So finding balance, finding an anchor point, having some personal skills there, that's fundamental. But then systemically, I would love for us to examine having mental health practitioners or resources available for people to confide in a trusted professional whose job is not just to get the shot that we need, but is Mm -hmm. to authentically protect and foster human well-being, Mm -hmm. Um, not just the cast side, but also crew. We're on night shoots. It's not just the actor on camera who's there. In fact, the crew's gotten there before you and they're leaving after. And some of their turnarounds are are much shorter. How can we in our pre-production process, post-production process, and even set protocol, start to invite the concept of human well-being. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, it almost seems like, ah, that'll never happen because we're there as an industry to produce and commodify skills and talents. And the turnaround on stuff can be so short now. Mm-hmm. Um, you do an interview today, it goes out in an hour, and there's an editor in there who's who's got to be 
working at the speed of light to make that happen. And then we're also hypercritical about it being a superior quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we really have to ask ourselves, what are we gaining by moving at the speed of light? When we take a step back and look at the rapid acceleration of both technological advancement as well as capitalism, et cetera, our human bodies are not evolving at the same pace to sustain mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. So what are we really after and what are we going to do when all of our personal machines, that is our software and hardware and my mind and my body break down? Mm-hmm. We really got to pause long enough to reflect. And the beauty is slowing down doesn't mean being less productive. Ultimately, often you end up finding the wiser path because you've been staring one direction and by pausing, you opened your purview, you saw the periphery and there's been a window to your left the whole time. It brings fresh perspective when we slow down. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, I mean, we could go on for hours around this, but fundamentally, I think we're still learning how to listen and communicate with our own minds and bodies. We often feel like we're working against ourselves or we see the body as just something to push around. It's kind of like one of my mentors calls it a brain taxi, just Mm -hmm. a chauffeur for your brain. (laughs) And when we might be numb, we might dissociate, we might avoid social and emotional connections because they're too overwhelming. Whatever that reason is, we're disconnected Mm -hmm. and therefore we're silencing a huge source of wisdom. Mm-hmm. for making everyday decisions. Right. So, you know, that's why one of my passions is, okay, if we're, whether we're on set or you're in whatever your industry is, how can we feel integrated and reconnected, aligned and whole, and from there make decisions? And by right. the way, I recognize not everyone has access to the time, energy, and resources to do that. So mm-hmm. how can we make the entry point as open as possible where you only need you yourself and and you in that moment, you truly can say, okay, I know how to work with myself to feel resilient and be able Mm -hmm. to manage what's in front of me right now. That is all so remarkably important, I think. And and what you said about that mind-body connection and the body being a sort of brain chauffeur is so fascinating to me because I think sometimes we tend to like to think that's not the way we're viewing our bodies, especially when we're not tapped in and aware. But I see how it happens considering I think mental health has only become part of the global conversation in recent years and people's transparency concerning their own mental health and their own mental health struggles just now becoming part of the conversation and not being this taboo thing to bring up with others. And so my hope too is that eventually we get to this place where we view the body, our physical health as important. And I don't mean just exercise, but I mean, like you speak of being aware and tapped in and listening to ourselves and listening to our bodies and what our bodies need. Right. We're going to do a quick message from our sponsor and be right back with some rapid fire questions. Your shoes tell a story about not only who you are, but where you're heading. Because of that, your footwear should be as bold as you are. That's why Sorel Footwear has designed shoes that define and defy the trends. From classic and sporty sandals to wear-all-week wedges and platforms, these shoes level up your look, literally. I'm going to hit you with a few this or that style questions. I don't want you to think about it. Just answer. So the first uh, this or that is yoga or a run? A run. Okay, why is that? 
well, because I'm going to give you some weird esoteric description of like, well, yoga, what it is today is not what it used to be. And now we have this misinformed westernized version of blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think I just don't feel like I understand the the quality and depth of what yoga actually offers. So sure. running, I'm like, okay, I just need my legs and we can just go. So I'm going to start there. <laughs> Okay. Dancing in the club or dancing in the kitchen? Oh, the kitchen for sure. I'm an introvert. So you can't get me to the club if you tried (laughs) and paid me and nah. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Also, yeah, I, there was a time when I might've said dancing in the club, but I'm all about the kitchen as well now too. So I'm I'm right. Cause you also, you. you then get to switch up the vibe and you don't have to worry about people being like, whoa, why did you go from like B2K to, you know, Bjork? Uh-huh. <laughs> and that is a real switch up there. <laughs> just, um, that is part of why, because I'm like, I get to control the music and the vibe. And I don't have to go ask the DJ to play the song I want them to play. Yes. Okay. Meditating before bed or after waking up? Oh, well, your girl hasn't done either today or last <laughs> night. So we probably need, we need to go double down. Okay. It's a both and kind of thing. Okay. It's not going to be either or. It's going to be both. Okay. Respect. Yes. Um, I do wonder, is there such thing as too much meditation? I, I'm tempted to say, no, there's not, considering how far on the opposite side of the spectrum I find myself sometimes. So, I, you I'm know, I you. would say it depends on your goals, right? Are you trying to levitate? Then you get to breathing and being present and aware. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that might just require, I mean, at least half a day. I have friends who've gone on meditation retreats. Mm. One of them, the longest I know of, he, he went on one for a month and it was a silent meditation retreat. And that sounds so beautiful and intimidating all at once, mm-hmm. but really transformed his mind and, and life. So something I would want to do eventually. Yes, admirable. Yes, right. Sneakers or boots? Ooh, sneakers. Okay, okay. Tell me why. You know I'm asked why. Well, as a mover, boots have their own technique. You actually have to adjust the mechanics of your body to be able to move. So I have a lot of respect for folks who like dance in heels and boots, um, anything that isn't sneakers. But if you have a fresh pair of kicks, that transforms how you're feeling. You can represent different cities by what kind of shoes you wear. You can, I don't know, there's so much flavor. There's so much personality. Right. And I say that all as a a minimal person. I only have one pair of shoes and they're (laughs) sneakers and I wear them till they, you know, are running to the ground, you know, when I'm out there running, not doing the yoga. (laughs) And um, yeah, I got to go with sneakers. Final answer. I love that. I love that. I won't press you much. I, I also would say sneakers as well. They are so comfortable. And I have gone kind of on a sneaker kick. I moved to New York not too long ago, a few Ooh. years back, and I became like, all I want to do is wear sneakers. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do that. I want to wear sneakers to social events. I want to wear sneakers to work. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Allison, last one. Hip hop or electropop? What is electropop? <laughs> so I guess we know your answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I also, I thought this was an on-camera interview. Uh-huh. So I was previously wearing a Nas Illmatic shirt and was like, should I, is that a, considered a logo? Is that okay to wear a Nas <laughs> shirt for an interview? So that's my answer. And I'm a huge fan of hip hop and I didn't get to see your Illmatic shirt. Oh. I wish I had. Yeah, I would go hip hop as well if I were 
<laughs> if I were you, if I were me. Yes. Um, and no, no hate to the electro poppers out there. Oh my there. goodness. It, we would be remiss to not say that. Yeah. All, yeah, all the I mean, to the send us a pop. playlist. I'm yeah. trying to figure out what that is. <laughs> I would like to know as well. So please, listeners, if you know what electro pop is, let us know. You have a podcast called Simplexity. And you just came out with an ebook, and, and we'll get into your ebook a little bit later. But you also have a platform, Movement Genius, which is about the body and the mind connecting. Could you tell us a little bit about your platform? Yes. So I think it's easy to assume when hearing from a dancer that a movement platform probably entails fitness and and dancing mm. and choreography, and it's actually very very different than that. Movement Genius uses somatic-based movement that's designed with psychotherapists to help improve mental and emotional well-being. And now when we think of movement in traditional terms, like visible motions and gestures and postures, it may not seem like the most obvious tool to use for your mind, besides the benefits we know of like, oh, you get an endorphin rush if you just exercise. Mm-hmm. But I invite you to be generous with the definition of movement and recognize that the little flexes and relaxations it takes to feel comfortable in your skin, that is movement. The path that your mind travels as it scans your body and seeks to understand what's going on inside, that is movement. The transitions you feel from panic to peace, that is a kind of movement. You're always in motion from your thoughts, your feelings, your actions down to your cells. And so What we wanted to provide is a space where people can reconnect with themselves and they can use movement to, you know, maybe elevate their mood, reduce stress and anxiety, improve sleep. And it's always a come as you are uh, experience. So no more attitudes like no pain, no gain. And like, you just got to push yourself until you, (laughs) until you collapse. Um, You can find that elsewhere, but in our community, we want to foster that sensitivity and awareness of really honoring your authentic version of wellness. And also a huge part of, you know, why we're so passionate is that wellness, the word wellness, as you know, is like such a a synonym now to white, middle to upper class, non-disabled, straight folks. And again, everyone, yes, including them, deserves access to wellness, but whose voices are not being represented? What kind of movement modalities could serve the unique needs of underrepresented communities in wellness? So my team and I are looking at broadening the appearance, making sure, for example, I taught a class for folks with um, chronic illness and chronic pain a couple of days ago, making sure everyone who typically feels like alienated from a gym or feels that it's intimidating to think about moving your body freely, that they have a space to reconnect and feel safe and comfortable and confident in who they are. That's fantastic. And I think your awareness of how exclusive wellness or even just the term itself has Mm -hmm. become is really important. And it's wonderful that you have chosen to create a platform that is inclusive to every and all bodies. Now, you said that people sometimes make an assumption of what your platform might be simply because you are a dancer, have danced, 
uh, and they make an assumption of what that means movement genius will be and what a movement platform will be for a dancer. And it will likely include dancing. While you've done a great job of clarifying what the platform is and the intention and the purpose, how has being a dancer, did being a dancer help piece together this idea of healing through movement? What parts did it play in the creation of this? For me, for a long time, even throughout my years of performing on stages and touring, I felt very separate from my body. And the experience of movement was predominantly an outside-in performance. I wanted to be technically accurate and proficient in this skill and impress and emote, etc. But I, on the inside, was quite numb. I was actually diagnosed with a condition called alexithymia. And that's the literal inability to identify emotions and sensations in your body. So I'd employed my body artistically from the age of three, but it took many years into adulthood to realize not only that I was disconnected, but also that I had agency and a voice. And I'm still sorting through this. So at first, more mindful movement and embodiment practices felt really awkward. You can ask my former partner. He would watch me squirm every time we tried to meditate or do something. He's over there being a boss, just sitting in stillness. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, I can feel all of the things I've been suppressing for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, this journey for me was deeply healing to recognizing my body as more than just the choreography that I can do with precision. And in fact, the folks I admire in terms of movement are often the freestylers. They're often the street dancers who learned their own vocabulary by exploring and experimenting and building trust with themselves, initiating movements, pushing to their limits, and then recognizing, okay, that's as far as I can go today. Mm -hmm. Um, But that really in the moment development and cultivation of safety and security within is what I knew I needed for my own maturity as a human. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that it's created this flexibility, not just physically, but mentally as well. I can walk into rooms, whether it's a bunch of people in suits or it's a bunch of people who will never wear a suit in their life, whether by choice or necessity. And I can feel calm and comfortable in my skin to be who I am and to know, all right, what's mine is mine. And if this goes one way or the other way, I'm going to be okay regardless. So I've got that anchor, I've got that strength, but then I also have this soft center and I'm able to receive input from people more flexibly. So uh, is that a word? I don't know. (laughs) So even that, you know, like years ago, I would have rehearsed every single thing that I would say in this interview. And now I'm like, okay, I'm chilling. We can move through this moment authentically. And that actually ends up ushering in so much beauty um, and opportunity for connection and uh, transformation. So this is, of course, just my path. You know, I think of the folks who started maybe with tons of freedom and didn't have any structure and adding structure can be just as important Mm -hmm. to finding that center and that balance. So it's really trusting that you're the expert of your experience Mm. and you can read as many self-help books as you want, but eventually when you start applying, you're going to have to listen to your mind and to your body. You got to learn to separate, okay, is that the voice of the inner critic? Is that the voice of my younger self? Is that the voice of my family or society? Is that my true voice? And start communicating because man, you can really live a different reality, 
even mm-hmm. if your circumstances themselves don't even change that much. What I, I really love to hear is that it's, there's not this one size fits all prescription for movement. And it's a matter of listening to your own body and what your body is saying it needs. And you spoke of those freestyle dancers being some of your favorite artists in that regard, because they are just, they don't know necessarily the technical terminology that is passed within organizations, but they know how to move and they know how to listen to their own bodies. Are there movements that people can do at home that you think are like great starting places for people who are looking to be more in tune with themselves in that regard? Yes, yes, absolutely. So one of the kind of entry points that was helpful for me and I I use in many classes, if you want, you can play a song, whatever feels good, no rules there, or you can do it in silence. But simply, instead of doing a body scan, if you've heard of meditations that are like, you know, scan from head to toe. And once you reach a certain part, breathe into it and relax and feel the tension roll off your shoulders. For me, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm moving, that means I don't have to be perfectly still while I do this body scan. Mm. And instead of setting a goal of being perfectly relaxed by the end, I actually just invite some curiosity around how that body part even moves, what directions Mm. it can go. For example, do my head and neck, can they rotate? Do they tilt? Can they roll side to side? Do they nod, shake? And just bringing some movement and an exploration into an area begins to remind you that we tend to use such a small percentage of our mobility and our functionality on a daily basis because we're in our routines So Mm -hmm. even just inviting some of that, you know, those different motions as you scan head to toe. And when you do this, two tips that might be helpful. And if not, just toss them out the window. Mm -hmm. The first is instead of trying to come up with the movement, you can just imagine that the space around you is a blank canvas. So in front of you, behind you, sides, ceiling and ground and whatever body part you're using could be your paintbrush, your art tool utensil of sort. And you can imagine just tracing through space and, you know, pick a color if you want. You can be as creative or as casual. That can take the pressure off trying to come up with moves. If you just imagine kind of painting the space around you. And then the second thing is as you're moving, take moments to focus your attention inward to the inner sensations of the muscles that are being used. Maybe you feel some heat building over time or there's your spine and your core are kind of loosening up as you sway back and forth. But if you can, to the degree that feels manageable, notice what's happening from the inside out. And that can start to allow different things to bubble up, whether that's emotions or thoughts. So just be really gentle in the process as you do your scan and explore different ways, your body naturally moves. By Mm -hmm. doing that, you know, you'll kind of be like, oh, I guess I have my own body language. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the point is not for everyone to move the same way. In fact, the beauty is that we will all do this differently. We'll all Mm -hmm. have different ranges of motion. We'll all come up with different ideas. And that's the juicy stuff. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. This can be a two minute thing or a 10 minute thing or a two hour thing. It's totally up to you. Whatever is in flow with your day, you know, maybe try it to kick off your day tomorrow morning or as you're winding down tonight. I love that. I really appreciate your approach and the fact that it is 
non-judgmental mm-hmm. as far as even your own body. I feel like it's so easy to judge ourselves or even to compare ourselves to ourselves and say, I used to be able to do this. And there's something liberating and healing, I think, about just accepting where you are and approaching it, as you said, with curiosity. And I like to think of curiosity as the opposite of judgment. Mm-hmm the work that you're doing, such a liberating approach because it's so easy to be judgmental towards ourselves. Totally. And really quickly on that, where did Mm -hmm. those voices come from? Who's Mm -hmm. benefiting by us continuing to view our bodies as projects to fix or Mm -hmm. projects to undertake or objects to fix? Mm -hmm. There are entire industries, diet and fitness and wellness. There are trillions of dollars. There are media companies. There are folks who would love for us to not tap into that liberation. I'm not out here to blame, shame, name, criminalize any individual, but we recognize that these narratives keep us on the hamster wheel. And even down to the point where when the seasons change, it's like, oh, this season, I got to start working out again. Oh, this Mm. season, now I don't have to work out because I'm going to be hibernating in the winter, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. What if we could truly free ourselves from those voices and narratives? And ultra quickly, when we look at the impact on society and culture and social and environmental change, as we connect to our bodies, it's statistically proven that a disembodied society is more prone to violence and aggression and hatred, discrimination, etc., So if we reconnect with ourselves, we're not just talking about healing at an individual level. We're talking about shifting culture and shifting systems and waking up to what it really means to take care of ourselves and each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's my soapbox. Like movement genius is tapping into your unique genius through movement and also letting that generate, same G-E-N in genius, generate a movement in culture. That's really, really, really special. You, you called us hamsters in the wheel. I do feel that myself sometimes. Same. And it feels like you're trying to protect your mind, the way you view yourself and what your own desires and purpose are in this world. But it's constantly the influx of information and input from the outside world. And sometimes it's helpful and beneficial. And sometimes it's really not. And it feels like it happens up under you and it's just fed into your subconscious. So you said, where did that voice come from? Where did the narrative that you needed to change your body according to a season come from? What would you advise someone who wants to quiet those noisy voices and and really just get in tune with themselves and listening to their own body? What would you advise them to do to sort of protect themselves? First, I would say I am not a licensed professional, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. Sure, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And then second, if you're going to do some deep personal exploration and you are not doing this with a professional then I think it's very important to establish what I call a safe container for yourself to do this work. And I Mm -hmm. I do this personally with a five C's approach, choice, curiosity, capacity, corners, and creativity. So we've talked about a few of them already. Mm -hmm. The first C is choice. Remembering at all times you are in choice. You are in control, meaning you can begin this exploration when you want to begin and you can stop when you need to stop. Remembering that you are in that authority 
is so important. If you've experienced the sense of being disempowered, it's super important to double down. You are always in choice. The length of time, the setting, the manner in which you do this exploration. The second is curiosity. Like you said, we can remove the words like good and bad and should and shouldn't and right and wrong and simply explore things non-judgmentally, letting those thoughts or emotions or movements in your body arise without clinging to them, without rejecting them, instead just allowing them to be, maybe having a conversation with them. The third C is capacity. Life is ever evolving, right? Our state of mind and our our state of being are constantly fluctuating. So that means on Tuesday, when you decide to check in, you might have gotten 12 hours of sleep and you just had the most nourishing meal and you're like super resilient. So you might be able to dig a little deeper. And then on Wednesday, you might be like, okay, I only slept two hours. I haven't eaten Mm -hmm. and I feel really fragile. So Checking in, noticing your capacity in that moment to quote unquote do the work is a great way to show sensitivity to yourself and patience for your needs in the moment. Mm. The fourth C is corners. It's a technique I use if something is unfamiliar or challenging, instead of trying to see the whole picture right away, just start by peeling back one corner at a time. That way you don't have to shock your system into overload. So, you know, working in increments in corners. And then lastly, creativity. So we're all inherently creative beings, whether we're formally trained artists or highly technical engineers or stay-at-home parents or none, some, all of the above. Statistically, the majority of us, the older we get, we feel like we left our imaginations and fearless wonder back in childhood. Mm -hmm. Yet, you know, I invite you to see that the way you're organizing your day, the way you're speaking to others, setting or maybe avoiding goals like me with some of the things I need to do today and (laughs) how you're treating yourself all have a uniquely creative fingerprint about them. Your life is an artwork of sorts and you're telling a story. So exploring this mind-body connection is an opportunity to tap into your creativity, to recognize it's always there. So I would say as you're doing this work, if that sounds good to you, try the five C's approach. It's choice, curiosity, capacity, corners, and creativity. Wow. I love that. That is so insightful and I feel going to be so helpful to so many people, including myself. And I know a huge part of your mission is advocating for the LGBTQ plus youth. And you've talked in the past about how coming out affected your career. Would you care to tell us about your new ebook that just came out, Mind Body Pride? Yes, absolutely. So this past year, we've all had to reshape our relationships with our minds and bodies. We've felt anxiety for ourselves and loved ones. We've stayed inside, changing our routines. We lost access to a lot of the coping mechanisms that maybe once helped us through difficult moments. And this unexpected adaptation period brought fresh layers of stress and hurt that are now settling onto the previous pains that we've held within. But the good news is, while our bodies can stow baggage, they're also a space and source for healing and deep fulfillment and empowerment. So the purpose of Mind Body Pride is to introduce concepts and techniques that help rebuild the mind body connection and honor authentic well-being. And then of course, it's written particularly for queer folks and allies since the queer community faces very unique and disproportionate challenges related to um, mental, emotional and physical health. 
However, the information itself, it's for anyone with a body. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I think, you know, as queer people, I identify as queer if that wasn't clear. (laughs) (laughs) Our bodies withstand immense stigma and turmoil as much as they also engender liberation and revolution. The world has so many judgments about who we are and penalties for how we express ourselves, what rights we deserve, where we belong. Of course, this varies significantly across, you know, cultures, generations, etc. But I, I want to be absolutely clear whether you're queer or not. Your existence and worth are truly never up for question. However, I recognize that in this society, you, for whatever reason, may need to hide vital parts of yourself out of protection and, you know, many reasons. But when we hide from the world, sometimes we end up hiding from ourselves too. Mm -hmm. And that's where we might start silencing the wisdom of our bodies, neglecting our basic needs. We might, you know, even be wearing a mask in our own bedroom mirror. So on top of that, we've got this lack of multiculturally competent education, multiculturally competent health resources, and multiculturally competent safe spaces for people to understand and affirm who they are authentically. So mind-body pride is not only that invitation to mind-body connection, it also comes with a seven-video non-athletic movement series so it's similar to what we chatted through earlier. Right. And the best part is that all proceeds go to queer youth wellness programs. And it's only $4.99 right now. So like, come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm like, that's our mission mm-hmm. at Movement Genius. And my sister, who's my co-founder and I, like, we want these tools to be accessible and affordable and just so obvious Mm -hmm. as possible. And if you don't trust me, I wrote the book alongside professionals so you can trust them. (laughs) So that's where the licensed professionals come into play. Yes. And I mean, you did just have such wonderful advice about the ways to approach your own body and mental health, though I I must say, really, really helpful advice. Do you ever find it difficult to take your own advice? And if so, what do you do in those moments? Well, of course, you know, it's actually really liberating and why I'm like, okay, this is something that's actually sustainable is because the mission of Movement Genius, the mission behind Mind Body Pride, the mission behind me making mental health related content online is not to reach some destination or represent. I'm not trying to be the ambassador of perfect health. I'm actually Mm. saying, hey, in this particular moment, what's going on? And how might you show up to help yourself feel a little bit better? And it Mm -hmm. takes the pressure off of me being a guru. As I'm practicing this alongside you, I may have some tools, some skills that I want to share. But at the end of the day, like I am your cheerleader and I'm along for the ride as a fellow human going, okay, what happens Mm -hmm. when we press this button? And (laughs) oh, don't press that one today. So it's about being real. It's not about being perfect. And that is like, oof, okay, cool. Because yes, your girl has not slept a ton in the last couple of weeks. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. at least I'm recognizing it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, perfectionism, I think in many ways is our enemy. And so just that acknowledgement that you are not in pursuit of perfection, that you, it seems, accept 
and acknowledge your own humanity and imperfections, if you will. That's also just such sound advice and such a a wonderful way to approach all of this work. And again, I want to emphasize that you've emphasized curiosity. What happens if I push this button? (laughs) But that is kind of what we're all doing here. And so I think as much as we can remember to extend ourselves that grace and in turn would be able to extend other people that same grace Mm. is really important. Now, you spoke a little bit about how the pandemic has affected people well, what is one thing you've started doing in the last year that you're hoping to keep doing in the new post-pandemic world? Oh, that's a question. That is. <laughs> okay, this is me being real candid. Okay, we appreciate I'm it. I'm finding that when I implement some kind of self-care, I mean, we're talking the basics, like mm-hmm. went to bed at a decent hour, decided to finally drink water and <laughs> did brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. Maybe even twice a day instead of <laughs> once a month. Just kidding. I'm not that neglectful anymore. Um, I'm recognizing that sometimes it's hard to go back to the quote unquote grind because it's mm-hmm. like, dang, I didn't realize how much of a machine I was. Um, now I can't always just quit my commitments. But something I'm practicing is learning how to be productive without feeling stressed. Mm. And still maybe tackling a ton of tasks, but not having this narrative of I've got to race my way through this and I can only do this if my chest feels tight and my body is sore. Mm. So I'm really trying to challenge that narrative. And that is a shift that started within the last year. I feel a difference, but I'm also realizing just how much I was pushing myself past my limits all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's taking some time to to learn how to clear my plate a bit, if I can. Sometimes right. I can't. Right, right. One step at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, one more question for you, rounding out all the questions with all of our guests this way. And it's been so wonderful to talk to you and it's you've offered so much insight and wisdom and so many things to think about and sort of even incorporate into the way I approach my own wellness. So I want to thank you for that. What inspires you to constantly push yourself to reach new heights? Okay, so I know I'm being a little fussy with this answer, but I'm, I would love to kind of flip it and okay. say, I'm not necessarily trying to reach any peaks. I sure. actually am trying to learn how to ground. So what inspires me to do that is recognizing the temporal nature of life, that this is a gift at its Mm -hmm. core. And of course, what's always been at the heart is service and impact. So until every one of my neighbors, until every one of my family, until everyone I meet has food on the table, has a table for food, a roof over their heads, you know, the work isn't done. Mm -hmm. And That's what keeps me going because there's so much to do, but that's also an opportunity to say there's so much to become. Yeah, that's kind of, that's the fire within. Right. Thank you for sharing that with us. What an impactful spirit you have. It has been truly a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for sharing your time and so many nuggets and gems with us today. Likewise. Thank you so much and, and take care. Thank you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for listening to the Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to Sorel making powerful footwear for powerful people. You can find the Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends and tune in next week. This episode of the Step by Pop Sugar is presented by Sorel, powerful footwear for unstoppable individuals.